Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show covers the COVID-19 press briefing that took place on Monday, January 4th, including comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining today's press briefing. I'm Hilda L. Solis, Chair of Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. We start the new year with the recognition that many who were with us last year are no longer here. We mourn their deaths and share the pain of their loved ones once they, especially the ones they leave behind. Over the weekend, we reached over 800,000 total cases in Los Angeles County. It took 10 months to hit 400,000 cases, but we have reached another 400,000 within the last month alone. That is a human disaster and one that was avoidable. But I need to underscore that it could be worse. The situation is already beyond our imagination, but it could become beyond comprehension if the health restrictions in place are not fully obeyed. We have over 7,600 people in our hospitals from COVID-19. It is getting harder and harder for healthcare workers to care for those coming to the hospital with gunshot wounds, heart attacks, strokes, and injuries from car accidents. Hospitals are declaring internal disasters and having to open church gyms to serve as hospital units. Our healthcare workers are physically and mentally exhausted and sick. Over 28,400 healthcare workers have contracted COVID-19 since the beginning. We need our communities to rally around them. Let's commit to do that today. But I also know that our communities are not just reeling from the health consequences of COVID-19, but also the economic pain and suffering. That is why tomorrow the Board of Supervisors will consider two motions that I have authored. The first is to extend the supplemental paid sick leave ordinance for workers in unincorporated Los Angeles County, which would otherwise expire. This will extend the existing paid sick leave benefits and makes modifications so that it also applies to businesses who have fewer than 500 employees. The board will also consider my motion to provide hero pay to grocery store and drug and pharmacy retail workers, the first step to get them this extra pay they deserve. Since the beginning of the pandemic, frontline grocery and drug retail workers have continued to show up to work despite the dangers of being exposed to COVID-19. Because of their work on the front lines, families throughout the county have been able to access food and medicine they need during this pandemic. Given the nature of these jobs, they are staying inside with large crowds every day, putting them at heightened risk of contracting COVID-19. Some have been met with outbreaks in their places of work, and unfortunately, as we experience record-breaking waves of cases, these retailers have experienced an increase in outbreaks. Grocery and drug retailers have also experienced a surge in demand during the pandemic, with the Brookings Institute study showing a 40% increase in profit in 2020. The companies themselves are thriving, while their workers who keep the stores open are struggling economically. Nearly half of low-wage workers have reported having trouble paying their bills, and a third trouble paying their rent or mortgage. 
It's imperative for the county to act with urgency to ensure these workers are justly compensated for the unprecedented risks they encounter on the job during the pandemic. That is why I'm introducing a motion at tomorrow's board meeting to require grocery and drug retail stores that have 300 or more employees nationwide and more than 10 employees per store site to provide all employees with hero pay. That's an additional $5 per hour in wages to sunset in 120 days. It's been done before. The cities of Los Angeles and Long Beach are pursuing similar efforts. Details of this ordinance will be available in the coming weeks. I know these actions do not totally negate the economic pain caused by COVID-19, but it is my hope they bring relief to our residents. In the new year, we must rid our county of its dark history of racial inequity. This will require an economic plan that balances the inequities between low-skilled and high-end earners. And as we discuss the incredible value of our essential workers, I also want to briefly touch on the vaccine administration. The federal and state government set the rules for the order of who is vaccinated at what period and according to a tier structure. But I want to underscore that this county does have a role in implementation. That is why L.A. County adopted a policy to ensure equity as our North Star in how we vaccine and how the vaccine is administered. As with cases, the gaps in hospitalization rates by race and ethnicity are widening. Latinx residents have a hospitalization rate of 80 hospitalizations per 100,000 people and 627 percent increase since early November and three times the rate of white residents. The number of black residents in hospitals is also increasing to 57 hospitalizations per 100,000 people, a 714% increase since early November, and more than double that of white, who currently have a rate of 26 hospitalizations per 100,000 people. These figures make clear that we need equitable distribution of the vaccine in disadvantaged neighborhoods, in part because many of these areas are comprised of essential workers. That includes areas like East Los Angeles, Boyle Heights, San Gabriel Valley, and Pomona, communities hardest hit by the crisis. We will do just that, but it will take time. We continue to get the vaccine deliveries weekly, but the amounts fall short of what the federal government told us we would receive. It is my hope with the new Biden administration just 16 days away, we see a significant change in speed for the arrival of this vaccine. With the dramatic increase in our hospitalizations, we are pushing the limits of the hospital infrastructure. And I am pleased that the Army Corps of Engineers is going to six of our local hospitals, including White Memorial in Boyle Heights, Beverly Hospital in Montebello, and Emanate Health in West Covina to address the infrastructure needs. This is a direct impact on patient care. Specifically, these infrastructure improvements should enhance medical providers' ability to give oxygen to a greater number of patients. And I want to acknowledge the Army Corps of Engineers for taking on this life-saving effort. I also want to address the impact of COVID-19 among our residents experiencing homelessness. Later this week, the Department of Public Health will issue a report on the mortality rates and causes of death among people experiencing homelessness. There is no question that COVID-19 will be among those causes. I want those who are unsheltered to know that we are here for them. We are continuing to work to get them housing, and even if it's temporary, especially if they are vulnerable or are experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. 
In fact, just recently, we quickly stood up four additional quarantine and isolation sites to offer a hotel room with regular meals and care to those who do not have a place to isolate safely. We will continue to identify resources to tackle this reality as the surge extends. So will our support for our residents. And lastly, I would like to take this time to discuss the anti-lockdown and anti-mass protests and gatherings around the health officer orders that have taken place throughout this pandemic. We're in the midst of an unprecedented and dangerous surge. Our public health officials have one mission, to safeguard the public's health. They are not the ones to blame, the virus is. Despite what protesters claim, this is not a hoax. Just take a look at our hospital, hospitals where care now has to be rationed. And it will only get worse if we give in to demands to reopen at a time when our cases, hospitalizations, and deaths continue to skyrocket. I'm sympathetic to the economic devastation that this is causing, which is why I've advocated for allocations of the county's CARES Act funds to provide relief to our impacted local small businesses. But as I've said before, there will be no true economic recovery until the virus is gone. So it is actually very counterproductive to end restrictions and let the virus spread even more uncontrollably. Doing so will only further damage the economy and continue to take lives. Additionally, although we haven't confirmed the COVID-19 variant's presence in LA County, we know it is nearby, making these gatherings often maskless even more concerning. In closing, I know that for some in our community, Dia de los Reyes on Wednesday is often a cause for gathering and celebration. The holiday commemorates the end of the Christmas season. Please do so virtually. Use the internet or Zoom to connect with your family and friends. It's not worth it to gather because it may be the last time you gather with your loved ones if you do. I also want to acknowledge the beginning of 2021. The beginning of the year often accompanies New Year's resolutions, and I'm calling on all of us to make it count. For this month of 2021, I'm asking that we all abide by the health officer order fully. Just one month can make all the difference in the world. We have the resolve to get through this crisis, so let's double down on our efforts so 2021 looks a lot less like 2020. I want to thank you, and I would now like to introduce our director of the Department of Public Health, Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Uh, good afternoon, and uh, thank you uh, so much, Supervisor Solis. Uh, we very much appreciate all your efforts and leadership and that of all the supervisors as we work together to stop this deadly pandemic in L.A. County. And I'll now offer some uh, updates. Uh, can you bring up the first slide? Um, we're likely to experience the worst conditions in January that we faced the entire pandemic, and that's hard to imagine. In slightly more than one month, we doubled the number of people who tested positive for COVID-19, going from 400,000 cases on November 30th to 800,000 cases on January 2nd. It took us nine and a half months to get to the first 400,000 cases. The anticipated surge from the winter holiday gatherings has begun, and tens upon tens of thousands of people are paying the price with new COVID-19 infections. The increases in cases are likely to continue for weeks to come as a result of holiday and New Year's Eve parties and returning travelers. Everyone should keep in mind that community transmission rates are so high that you run the risk of an exposure whenever you leave your home. 
assume that this deadly, invisible virus is everywhere, looking for a willing host. Don't let that be you or someone you care about. If you're going to work or to buy groceries or medicine, uh, take every precaution possible. Try to never remove your face covering when near others and avoid eating or drinking with anyone not in your household. Wash or sanitize your hands every hour if you're around others and avoid any non-essential activities. We suggest you take a break from shopping, avoid any type of gathering, and exercise by yourself or with others from your household. More than one in five people who get tested are positive, and this helps explain why there's just so much risk when you hang out with others. If we fail to use the tools that are currently available, our frontline healthcare workers, now caring for distressingly large numbers of COVID-19 patients, will face many more weeks of increasing numbers of patients and the heartbreaking loss of so many lives. It's better to be lonely than to be sick. It's better to care for others by following all the rules than to end up passing along the virus to someone who gets hospitalized or even dies. Our website has a wealth of useful information in multiple languages to provide tips on staying safe and let you know how you can get assistance and support during these difficult times. And now I'll update the current numbers, and I'll take the next slide. Uh, we're sad to report today 77 additional people passed away, which unfortunately brings the total number of deaths in L.A. County to 10,850. And today's numbers, while so high, actually reflect the lag in reporting from over the holiday weekend. Our heartfelt condolences to everyone who started the new year mourning the loss of a loved one or a friend who passed away from COVID-19. We wish you healing and peace. We're reporting 9,142 new cases today, bringing the total number of cases in LA County to 827,498. And today's relatively lower number of new cases reflects the closure of many testing sites and delays in reporting over the holiday. This number is very likely to increase in the days ahead. These cases do include 33,271 total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 7,010 cases reported by the city of Pasadena, which have independent city health departments. 7,697 people are currently hospitalized with COVID-19, and 21% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU, and 19% are in ventilators. We've investigated a total of 4,057 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, we have one 1,620 open investigations, and we've closed 2,437 investigations. The total confirmed cases in institutional settings is 68,697, and this includes 30,523 cases among residents and 38,174 among staff. To date, over 4.8 million people have been tested and had test results reported to LA County. And now the cumulative positivity rate has risen to 16%.
the current daily positivity rate is now 21%. I'll take the next slide. This updated graph of cases by episode date through December 31st shows a slight decline in cases over the Christmas holiday, which was to be expected because testing centers were closed at that time. But as you can see, the number of cases uh, immediately began to quickly climb once testing resumed, and we've now reached a seven-day average of 12,322 cases on December 31st. Since the surge began on November 1st, this is a staggering 905% increase in cases. For the near future, based on all the travel and intermingling witnessed over the holiday, this line is likely to continue to go up as we're going to experience increases in cases associated with the winter holiday. The steepness of this line is frightening in its implications for our healthcare system, our healthcare workers, and all the people we care about. Next slide. This graph shows the devastating impact on the rising cases on our local hospitals. When the surge began in early November, there was an average of 791 people hospitalized each day with COVID-19. On January 2nd, just a few days ago, the three-day average number of people hospitalized with COVID-19 was a staggering 7,632. 623, 7,623. As with the previous graph on cases, these increases in hospitalizations continue as long as our case numbers increase. The high census of COVID-19 patients in our, in our hospitals is distressing, not only for those who have COVID-19, but for all others in the county who need acute care during this time people who have a stroke or a heart attack or experience a traumatic injury from a car crash are finding it more difficult to access care compared to months ago. Next slide. As hospitalizations continue to climb sharply, the ultimate tragedies also continue to rise across the county. This table shows the seven-day average of number of daily deaths, and it's probably the most disturbing table we're looking at. When this current surge began to devastate LA County, the average number of people dying of COVID uh, on a daily basis was about 13. Now we consistently average significantly more than 100 deaths a day. On December 30th, the seven-day average of daily deaths was 110. This is an increase of 700% from when the surge began. Another way to look at this is that we're losing on average a person every 15 minutes here in LA County. And tragically, this line also goes up as we've recently been reporting much higher numbers of daily deaths. We may very well be on our way to weekly death tolls of 1,000 people or more. Our hearts and thoughts go to everyone who has lost a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, and a coworker. This overwhelming loss of life is unfathomable and we'll continue to hold all of you in our prayers. Next slide. I think this slide helps us understand the progression of COVID-19 from cases to hospitalizations to death. We can see with clarity where we've been and where we're headed. With the average number of daily new COVID cases anticipated to once again reach 15,000, we could see in two weeks 8,500 people hospitalized each day. And then a week later, 
our daily deaths could rise to up to 175 people. We are grateful to the frontline healthcare workers who are fighting so hard to save thousands of lives, but we all know that there are certain people who simply won't survive the ravages of this powerful virus. This heartache does not need to continue. Please do your part to stop the surge. These numbers of hospitalizations and deaths do not go down until the number of new cases decreases. Next slide. The impact of the surge in cases is seen within every sector. As of December 28th, the to a total of 28,448 healthcare workers and first responders have been confirmed with COVID-19 in LA County since February. This table shows the waves of cases among healthcare workers at different sites. We can see that our first surge began in March and peaked in mid-April for healthcare workers. And then another one came in July when we also saw high rates of community transmission across the county. And sadly, the recent rise in cases among healthcare workers began with the surge that started in early November. And as you can see with the red line and the white line, the hardest hit uh, sites for healthcare workers uh, who, are, who are infected are healthcare workers who work at our hospitals and healthcare workers who work at skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities. With this much community transmission, it's highly likely that much of the transmission is related to uh, activities that are taking place outside of healthcare settings, but nonetheless, the large number of healthcare workers that are infected means a large number of healthcare workers that are not able to continue to do their jobs. There have also been 132 deaths amongst healthcare workers in the county since the beginning of the pandemic. Among healthcare workers who died from COVID-19, the majority were men, about 57%, between 50 and 64 years of age, 47% of them. And the majority have also been Latinx, about 45%. Each one of these deaths is also a tragedy, and we mourn with the families and coworkers of the healthcare workers who passed away from COVID-19. We're gonna to continue to work with organizations across the county to ensure that healthcare workers at every location are protected and that they have the personal protective equipment they need to stay safe and that they continue to be prioritized for vaccination. Next slide. This slide shows the workplace settings for healthcare workers who have passed away. The highest number of healthcare worker deaths have occurred for those workers at skilled nursing and long-term care facilities, with a total of 67 workers dying who worked at these locations. The next higher num highest number of deaths, 21, occurred for workers who work at hospitals, followed by 11 deaths for workers at outpatient facilities. Tragically, we've seen deaths across all uh, occupational settings for healthcare workers and EMS um, throughout the, the pandemic. I'll take the next slide. And the majority of healthcare workers that passed away have been nurses. However, there are healthcare workers who have died across many professions, including firefighters, physicians, dentists, lab technicians, uh, police officers, Sheriff deputies, uh, all have, uh, again, who work in healthcare, social workers, pharmacists, respiratory therapists, all have lost their lives uh, to COVID-19. And we extend our forever gratitude to all the healthcare workers 
who continue to sacrifice so much to care for all of us. Next slide. Uh, Vaccinations are proceeding throughout LA County as we continue to build our capacity. As of Saturday, January 2nd, we've received a total of 189,995 doses of the Pfizer vaccine and 96,390 doses had been administered to our frontline healthcare workers at acute care hospitals. There's a slight lag here uh, in the reporting. Um, So we actually uh, probably have a significant increase in that number today. As of Saturday, we had received 81,571 of Moderna doses of vaccine, of which 22,221 have been administered primarily to staff and residents at skilled nursing facilities, as well as to EMS uh, services, paramedics, and EMTs. Uh, The next Pfizer allocation that's due to arrive later this week is 82,745 doses, and this will primarily be used to administer the second doses to the first group of healthcare workers that were vaccinated uh, in mid-December. We also expect to receive an additional 50,700 Moderna doses, which will be administered primarily to priority groups within Tier 2 of Phase 1A. Tier 2 includes healthcare workers at urgent care and primary care clinics, at 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 intermediate and home healthcare facilities and services, as well as home healthcare workers, as well as healthcare field workers who face a high Uh, degree of possible exposure because of their work in the field. Next slide. Um, And in closing, I do hope that all Los Angeles County residents will start the new year asking themselves, what can I do to help and what's my role in stopping the spread of COVID-19? Here are some suggested action steps. These are the ones that we all should be taking right now. First, we ask that everyone take personal responsibility and follow the rules and ask others around you to do the same. The simple measures that we have in place, wearing face coverings, maintaining our distance, avoiding gatherings, and using sanitizer, these go a long way to reversing the deadly trends that we currently see. Second, for those of you who have just returned from a trip outside of our region, you must quarantine in place for 10 days and monitor for symptoms for an additional four for a total of 14 days. We need every Los Angeles County resident who has traveled recently to do this. Start today if you didn't already start your quarantine. We also need all persons who are coming into LA County to understand that this is our rule, whether you arrive by plane, bus, train, or another vehicle. Next, get tested if you're experiencing any COVID-19 symptoms or you've been exposed or possibly exposed to someone who's tested positive. Don't take a chance. Get tested, and if it comes back positive, you must isolate yourself for at least 10 days and until you're fever-free and symptom-free for 24 hours. I also want to repeat a plea I made on New Year's Eve and that is to ask all employers to do two things. First, make sure that employees who recently traveled for leisure or recreation are self-quarantining for 10 days upon their return. Second, we do need all business owners and managers 
to take extra steps to be fully compliant with the safeguards and modifications set forth in the stay-at-home order and our existing public health protocols. We are counting on every business to help stop the spread. Finally, everyone should just stay home whenever possible. Staying home will save lives. The fewer interactions we have with others, the less this deadly virus finds many other hosts and keeps spreading throughout our county at a pace that wrecks havoc in every sector. We do all of this in January, and we can help stop the surge. Thank you. And now Dr. Galley will provide updates from the Department of Health Services. Good afternoon and Happy New Year. I know that when the pandemic started this past spring in 2020, we all hoped or thought that by the end of 2020, by the new year, we wouldn't be in the same position and that the worst would be over. But today, unfortunately, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you that the, given the current state of the pandemic in Los Angeles County, the worst is almost certainly still ahead of us. As of today, hospitals continue be, to be significantly strained. All hospitals are being inundated with COVID patients. In our four public DHS-operated hospitals, we have 557 COVID-positive patients hospitalized as of this morning. This is the highest number that we've seen yet in the pandemic, and every day it just grows and grows. Over half of our beds are filled with COVID-positive patients, and over three-quarters of the patients who are receiving critical care services in the intensive care units are there because of COVID. We are continuing to do everything we can to address the most constrained resource, which continues to be staff. I'm thankful for the support from the state as well as the federal government, including the deployment of federal staffing teams to come to two DHS hospitals as well as to several private hospitals in the coming days. We are trying to ease the amount of work that nurses need to do so that they can focus on patient care. And we are adding nurses wherever possible, looking to registries and contracts, as I mentioned, the Department of Defense teams, additional support from the state, and redeploying nurses, as I've spoken about before, to the hospitals wherever possible. To date, within DHS alone, we've redeployed over 800 nurses from outpatient hospitals, from, sorry, outpatient clinics to our hospitals or to other critical areas, such as the quarantine and isolation sites. And private hospitals, to the extent they can, are doing the same. Many hospitals have reached a point of crisis and are having to make very tough decisions about patient care. EMS is working with all hospitals across the region to relieve the pressure on especially the smaller facilities and seeking to facilitate lateral transfers to hospitals who are better able to manage the volume wherever possible. We continue, as all hospitals do, to care for many ICU-level patients in the emergency departments as patients wait for beds to open up upstairs. We are still encouraging people to only come to the emergency department or to call 911 if you have a medical emergency or psychiatric emergency. Ambulances are still having to wait many hours to offload patients to the emergency room, and patients should know that if they're not having an emergency, the best place to go to seek care is outside of the emergency medical services system. Call your doctor, go to an urgent care, or seek care through a nurse advice line. 
I am grateful to the participation and collaboration from all of the fire departments, both within the county as well as city fire departments, who are helping to triage patients on hospital grounds as they wait for offload. Law enforcement has also been instructed by the Department of Mental Health to bring patients who are on psychiatric 5150 holds who do not have active medical issues to go bring them to psychiatric urgent care centers rather than to medical emergency rooms. The volume being seen in our hospitals still represents the cases that resulted from the Thanksgiving holiday. We do not believe that we are yet seeing the cases that stemmed from the Christmas holiday. This sadly, and the cases from the recent New Year's holiday, is still before us, and hospitals across the region are doing everything they can to prepare. For those in our community who are fortunate enough to not be in a hospital, if you or your loved one think you need a COVID test because you either have symptoms or had a known documented exposure to someone with COVID or just think you were exposed to someone with COVID, there is availability at the county-operated, city-operated, state-operated, and private testing sites across the county. We are testing more than 300,000 individuals each week and are constantly expanding with more pop-up locations, mobile testing capacity, in addition to the home test collection kits that are available by mail. Hope is on the horizon with the vaccine. In just DHS alone, we've vaccinated more than 12,000 staff uh, who are on the front lines working in our hospitals. And hospitals across the region, despite being in the midst of surge, are doing the same to make sure that this protection is available to those people working on the front lines. And this is a big step in the right direction. But until we reach a point where there is widespread availability and uptake of the vaccine, we need each and every individual to continue to take the situation seriously that we now find ourselves in across LA County. In closing, two things. First, please stay home as much as you can. Not everybody has the ability or the privilege of being able to stay home. Many people are essential workers and they have to leave their home to go to work. But many people do have a choice. And I ask that for all those who are fortunate enough to be able to stay home, that they please do so. Second, on a similar note, when outside of your home, please do wear your mask. I'm very saddened, as I know are others, by the escalating reports of protests about people not wanting to wear masks, about people who want to assert their right not to wear a mask, or those who foolishly say that they don't want to wear a mask because they aren't worried about getting sick. For those people, I would remind you, this isn't just about you. The facts are the facts, and they are grounded in science. Wearing a mask will protect you, but even more so, it will protect those around you. You may not be worried about giving, getting COVID, and you may only know people who had a mild or an asymptomatic course of the disease. You may think that you're young and healthy and strong and that you won't have a severe course. You are lucky or fortunate or perhaps both. And you may be lucky enough that that will continue to hold true for you and for your family. But for some of you, this won't be how your future plays out. You will get sick. You may not recover at all. And if you do recover, you may have lasting consequences from this virus. But more importantly than that, wearing a mask is not a statement and should not primarily be considered a statement about how you feel about your own health and your own invulnerability. 
It's primarily a statement about how committed you are to protecting the lives and the health of those around you. This virus spreads easily and quickly. It spreads even when you don't know that it's spreading. So I'm not asking you to wear a mask to protect yourself. I respect that individuals can all make their own decisions about their own health. And if protecting one's own health is what this is about, then there wouldn't be a health officer order to wear a mask. It's not about you. It's about the other people around you. And in this time of mass crisis, we need to think of our neighbors. Please show others the basic common courtesy and take the life-saving action of wearing a mask when you're around others. And Grace, we're now ready for questions. Thank you. As a reminder to reporters, if you would like to ask a question, please press one and then zero to be placed in the queue. As a reminder, as a courtesy to our fellow reporters, to ask a question, please limit yourself to one or two questions. Thank you. And we'll first go to the line of Ron Lynn with LA Times. Please go ahead. Hey, Police and Dr. Sparrow and Galley, thanks so much for speaking with us. It's been so important. My questions are for Dr. Galley today. Uh, Dr. Galley, hospitals have told us about how oxygen is in short supply, and there are, uh, and there are other shortages of other supplies, uh, such as nostril. Uh, and so I wanted to ask, are there other shortages of uh, other supplies, such as nostril tubes and gurneys? Second, you mentioned some time ago about being concerned that once all hospitals are on diversion, no one is on diversion. Are we there yet? Uh, and have, uh, have hospitals had to declare more internal disasters over the weekend to turn away all hospitals, uh, to, to turn away all ambulances? Um, thank, you, thank you very much. Hi, thanks for the question. Uh, so I'll kind of skip around. On internal disaster, uh, as of this morning, there was one hospital in Los Angeles County that was still on internal disaster. That's still related to the overall volume of patients in their hospital, as well as to ongoing challenges with oxygen delivery and supply. As I've mentioned before, there's a variety of problems with oxygen. Uh, there's difficulty accessing the canisters and the condensers that are needed from home oxygen use. There's a challenge with getting access to the canisters that are the to-go portable canisters that hospitals use and need to use when they're transporting patients around the hospitals or when they've set up external tents, for example. Those, they need to rely on portable containers, canisters of oxygen. They can't use the wall oxygen. Those canisters are sometimes in short supply in certain hospitals who use certain vendors. Uh, and then there's also a challenge, even if they don't have the shortage of canisters, some hospitals and some vendors are having difficulty with refilling the canisters with the oxygen due to constraints on that portion of the supply chain. And as I've also mentioned, some hospitals, mainly due to infrastructure issues in the aging of the facility, are having problems with either the pressurization uh, of the of the tubing and the pipe system, or sometimes it freezing. Um, as I know has been reported in the press, the Army Corps of Engineers has already assessed six hospitals, and they have a number of other private hospitals across Los Angeles County they're going to be doing assessments on. Uh, we're grateful for their assistance. They will be providing recommendations to hospitals who will then have the responsibility of implementing those recommendations. Uh, as far as other supply shortages, Every hospital has their own supply chain that they work with, and then hospitals route their supply uh, requests through to the, through the MOAC up to the state for fulfillment. Uh, and we keep those um, numbers updated weekly 
on the DHS dashboard. So if you want to know what's been distributed through that MOAC system, um, you can look there. But um, I would say there's no across-the-board major shortages that we're seeing across a number of hospitals. And then I think your last question was on diversion. Uh, yes, if all hospitals are on diversion, no hospitals on diversion, those ambulances have to offload somewhere. They don't have a choice of not offloading. Uh, so consistently, we're still seeing on any given day 80, 70, 80, 90% of hospitals across Los Angeles County going on diversion at some point in the day. Over the holidays, it was in the 90s, uh, closer to 95, 96, 97 percent of all hospitals. Uh, but more recently, uh, it's been closer to the 70s and 80s. Uh, that's the percent of hospitals that go on diversion for that two-hour increment, at least at some point during the day. Uh, the percent of hours in the day in which hospitals are on diversion is lower than that. Uh, that typically runs... Uh, somewhere between 50 and 70 percent, but it does vary right by region with the west side still being the least impacted uh, and the northern and eastern regions of the county being the most heavily impacted. We'll take the next question. Thank you. Next word to the line of David Rosenfeld with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks so much. Ron got to a couple of my questions, but I wanted to follow up on the internal disaster declaration. Can you explain a little bit more what that means. I mean, I, I understand that it means ambulances are not brought to the hospital at all, but also in terms of rationing, I think that's a big question that people want to know is when does care start to become rationed? I don't know if that's easy to say if there's a way that you can sum up when you hit that point and how, how long are we from that uh, from occurring at, at, at various facilities? Thanks. So internal disaster is a term that hospitals use uh, when they have some sort of a a challenge broadly defined in their hospital that is putting potentially at risk the safety of their staff or their patients that are cared for there. It can be anything from you have a fire, you have a flood, uh, you have a severe staffing shortage. Uh, uh, it can be a, any one of a number of things. And it can also happen if you have a major issue, for example, in your supply chain, or if you're massively overloaded and unable to handle additional patients. Uh, so it, it's really a general term, but it's a term that hospitals use when they feel like they are not necessarily able to operate safely and they need to absolutely close their doors. So unlike diversion, which I've mentioned before, which typically refers to ALS or advanced life support ambulances, when you go on internal disaster, the EMS agency closes the, the doors of the hospital to all ambulance transport. That includes BLS, basic life support ambulances, uh, transfer ambulances, ALS ambulances, STEMI, stroke, trauma, uh, any other type of patient transport would not be transported to a hospital that's on internal disaster. On your second question related to rationing, uh, that term uh, is most often used um, or should be used in the context of when a hospital has declared that they're operating under crisis standards of care. The California Department of Public Health has put out guidelines, and there was an all-facility letter that went out last week uh, about the declaration of, of crisis standards of care. Uh, hospitals across Los Angeles County right now are generally operating um, at the level of one step below that, which is contingency standards of care. Uh, there is no hospital that has made a formal declaration to the state DPH or, as far as I'm aware, to the local DPH where they have to make those declarations that they are operating in crisis standards of care. Now, whether or not they're individually doing that and have just not made the formal declaration, I can't comment. You'd have to follow up with the individual hospitals for that. But what hospitals are reporting is that they're not at that crisis standards of care, and that's when you would 
would uh, be making decisions that might be referred to as rationing, where you shift to doing the most good for the most number of patients as possible, rather than trying to put every effort into saving every individual life. You're making a decision very tragically about which patients have the most chance of survival and the best prognosis. Uh, I'll take the next question. Thank you. Next, we're to the line of Loletta Lopez with NBC4. Please go ahead. Hi there, and good afternoon and Happy New Year. Thank you so much for taking mine and um, our questions in this new year. Um, I wanted to ask specifically about vaccination distribution and assistance to skilled nursing facilities. You talked about um, sort of the difficulties on receiving some of these vaccines. Uh, can you give us the latest on how many vaccines have actually been deployed to skilled nursing facilities, where the county is on that, and um, any concerns about being able to um, track how they are not just being distributed, but also um, stored and or distributed and administered. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much for that question. Um, I do know that uh, 206 skilled nursing facilities out of, I believe, 337 have already received the vaccine that they need uh, to vaccinate their staff and to vaccinate um, their residents. There's another large group of facilities, it, I think it numbers as many as 60, that have chosen not to receive vaccine directly and instead have asked for either help, help from one of our strike teams, either the city, curative, or the county, um, to come to their facility and actually vaccinate all of their staff and all of their residents. And then there are a handful um, that still just have not picked up their vaccine or had their vaccine delivered um, to them yet, but it's a very relatively small number. Um, we... Um, we do need the vaccinations uh, to get into people's arms at a much faster clip at our skilled nursing facilities. While everyone has vaccine for the most part and uh, is starting to vaccinate at those 200 facilities, and we've scheduled appointments from last week all the way through this week at the 60 facilities that have asked for you know, what I call sort of full support, um, there are others that at this point um, need either to allow our teams to come in and vaccinate or they need to start vaccinating. Um, it's really, uh, we have the vaccine available and we have the staffing available to support activities at all of the nursing homes uh, that would like assistance. And it is complicated. There's many shifts. There were vacations. Uh, everyone has to get entered into a database for all of the skilled nursing facilities that were able to accept uh, vaccine doses, they had to be reg registered and approved by the state. So it's not been an easy process. And I, I wanna thank all of the hundreds that actually worked their way through the process. But you know, this week we really have to see the numbers go up significantly in terms of both residents and staff getting vaccinated. The holidays are over now. Most staff are back uh, on their regular shifts, and uh, we're here to help and, and make sure that those uh, vaccine doses get into people's arms uh, this week, uh, and, and if we need to, to go into next week as well. But thanks for that, and we'll take the, the, next, um, the next question. 
Thank you. Next we'll go to the line of Claudia Pasciuto with KNX News Radio. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, a couple of quick questions and then my real questions. Um, any evidence of the new variants in L.A. County, and are you extending the home testing program? The longer question. Last week, you said roughly 20 to 40 percent of frontline healthcare workers who've been offered the vaccine had opted out. Any change in the acceptance rate? And even without any formal uh, declarations of crisis care, do you think people with COVID and otherwise are dying due to delays in care um, at county hospitals? Thank you. I, I can talk a little bit to uh, the variant and to uh, how many folks have declined. Um, every, every week, we, well, every few days, we run a, a set of samples, somewhere between 30 and 35 samples. Um, that we collect uh, in the field and both those samples that are submitted to the public health lab, and we test for the variant. Uh, at the end of last week, I announced that we had tested 60 samples and we have not yet found the variant. But I'm also clear that when you have, you know, uh, 10,000 plus new cases every day, um, this testing strategy and sampling to do this genome sequencing is time-consuming, and it is highly likely uh, that as we continue to do these tests, we will, in fact, identify that the variant uh, is here in L.A. County, as it is in other places uh, in California. You know, for us, it means really doubling down on all of our efforts to prevent transmission because this variant is actually more easily transmitted uh, from person to person, and we'll have to really work harder uh, to make sure that we're not allowing uh, those kinds of opportunities. And in terms of healthcare workers opting out, I don't have uh, hard numbers. You know, there's, um, we have to register, uh, or a site has to register every worker that accepts the vaccine. There isn't really a registration system uh, that actually tracks the workers that have decided to either wait or not get vaccinated. Um, so the only way we're getting information on that is from talking uh, at this point to the acute care hospitals. I know that Dr. Galley has said she has very high uptake. About 80% of her workers have actually uh, opted in to get vaccinated. Uh, our sense is that that's probably a fairly usual experience uh, between 70 and 80% at most of the acute care hospitals. And we're working now to find out if the numbers may be different uh, at the skilled nursing facilities, but we don't have that information because it's just there's not a system for collecting it uh, at the moment. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Galley for the other questions. Sorry. We're currently within DHS seeing uptake rates for the vaccine, vaccine among our frontline staff of about 75 to 80 percent uh, still. Uh, on your last question related to the impact of delays, there's certainly going to be impact related to the delays and timeliness of care across the board. I don't think we've yet seen the full impact of that, and certainly we haven't had any uh, uh, adverse outcomes within the Department of Health Services hospitals. Uh, we are also very closely monitoring our ambulance patient offload times uh, within our three hospitals that have emergency departments with the average currently running anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes and the maximum uh, working to track that and make sure that it remains low so that we have the safe transport of patients into emergency departments. Uh, and uh, just more broadly, I think 
what we need to do across all of the hospitals is get the surge under control so that patients who are having procedures or surgeries that are being postponed, that we can work to get them back into the system so that there aren't long-term consequences of some of the actions that need to be taken right now for the sake of inpatients uh, and, and make sure that we can start to rectify that as quickly as possible. We'll take the next question. Thank you. We'll go to the line of Stephanie Dazio with the Associated Press. Please go ahead. Hi. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, Supervisor Solis had mentioned uh, at 100,000 figure at the very top of the briefing, and I didn't quite understand what the significance of it is. Can you, um, can you go back to that and sort of explain um, what it is? I think, generally speaking, what we're trying to do is clarify that um, – We've seen, obviously, a, a great uptick in people that have uh, contracted the virus. And when you look at it based on 100,000 people population, it has severely increased in communities of color, particularly in the Latinx and African-American community. And that's what um, I think is very disheartening, and our communities really need to understand this. Uh, it continues to go up, hospitalization rates, and the fact that the virus is spreading so quickly amongst essential workers and families that live in poverty. Um, that's really the, the fact of the matter, but I think, Dr. Ferrer, if you want to explain further how that... I think Supervisor Solis really covered it. I mean, we do have a lot of information on our website. Uh, we are looking, obviously, at, at rates uh, per 100,000 people for the number of people that are infected, for the number of people that are hospitalized, and unfortunately for the number of people who pass. Um, and, and as uh, Supervisor Solis mentioned, uh, the rates are much higher uh, in the African-American black community and the Latinx community. Uh, then in our other communities, they're also higher for in those communities where there are higher rates of poverty. Uh, we had seen this gap at the beginning of the pandemic. We narrowed the gap significantly, uh, sort of in uh, August, September, going into October. And now that we've hit surge in November, um, it's disproportionately, again, affecting uh, communities of color and low-income communities at much higher rates. Uh, we think uh, this, in fact, reflects um, that many of the workers uh, that we consider essential are, in fact, uh, people of color, disproportionately people of color, particularly those uh, that are working in lower-wage jobs where there may be less protections, and that for many people, they're living often in situations that may be crowded uh, with less access to resources uh, in their communities. Uh, I, we work really hard to try to bridge the resource issue and to work closely, obviously, with all of our employers because that's the place we can best take care of all of the workers that have to go to work, making sure that their employers are, in fact, protecting them uh, in every way that uh, they're required to. Um, but we'll take, uh, the, we'll take one last question. Thank you. We'll go to the line of Patrick Healy with NBC4 News. Please go ahead. Hi. Right, thanks very much. Um, my question is, uh, the hospital numbers the recent last few days seem to have shown a leveling off uh, or, or a plateauing, but I gather from your comments you think this is a false summit, that the hospitalization numbers will again start increasing later this week. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a good question, and it's an accurate observation. 
Um, yesterday was the first day since December 1st that we actually didn't have an increase in the number of people that were hospitalized. Um, and today, while the numbers went up by over 100 patients, I believe, um, it's a smaller increase than some of the other increases we saw at the end of December. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, where these numbers are this week. Um, again, uh, if you recall, we had slightly lower numbers of cases as well over the Christmas, right, right before Christmas and on Christmas, that weekend of Christmas. Um, I think there might be a couple of things uh, that account for this. One is uh, we've been making an effort, uh, as have others, to make sure that if there are patients that are in the hospital that need to go to a different uh, place to get their care for convalescing, particularly those that need to go back to skilled nursing facilities, uh, that we're making it much easier for them to, in fact, go back. And, uh, and that required some adjustments um, so that um, some of the, you know, really uh, unfortunate barriers that had been created uh, needed to get, um, in fact, addressed as, as they did um, in an all-facility letter. Uh, that really clarified the obligation of skilled nursing facilities to be prepared to take back patients, uh, obviously only when appropriate, but there are situations where there have been patients that have been staying in hospital beds for much longer than they needed to because it was hard to find uh, an appropriate setting uh, where they could go. So I think part of it is that some of that is getting uh, fixed. There were dozens of patients that were actually able to be transferred over this weekend um, and, uh, and we're looking forward to continuing to do that work to make sure that uh, those transfers happen uh, where they're safe and where they're appropriate. Um, I think the other thing is we've noticed this around uh, Christmas, the Christmas holiday as well, is uh, there are some people that, that may not uh, choose to enter into a hospital uh, on a holiday and uh, may in fact uh, try to wait. Again, I think Dr. Galley has pointed this out. If you need care, uh, particularly emergency care, you know, the best thing to do is go get that care. Uh, and if there's ways that you can get care at another setting and you're talking about that with your healthcare provider, that's also appropriate. Um, and, uh, but we do anticipate that the numbers are likely, again, to continue to increase. Uh, we hope not as much, um, and we hope we're, uh, you know, we're not going to see the surge that we saw a couple of weeks after the Thanksgiving holiday, but I think all the hospitals and the public health folks are prepared uh, for another increase uh, in, uh, in hospitalizations. Uh, and with that, we'll go to comments in Spanish. Buenas tardes. Soy la Supervisora Hilda Solís, Presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Empezamos el nuevo año recordando a nuestros seres queridos que ya no están con nosotros. Compartimos el gran dolor de estas pérdidas. Durante el fin de semana, llegamos a más de 800,000 casos en total en el condado de Los Ángeles. En 10 meses, llegamos a 400,000 casos y subimos a 400,000 casos más en el último mes. Es un desastre humano que pudo evitar. Tenemos más de 7,800 personas en los hospitales por COVID-19. Este, esto corta la atención a personas que llegan al hospital con ataques de corazón o por causa de accidentes de autos. Los hospitales están declarando desastres internos 
y van a usar salas de iglesia como cuartos de salud. Nuestros trabajadores de la salud están cansados y enfermos. 28,448 de los trabajadores de salud han contractado COVID-19. Necesitamos que nuestras comunidades se unan con ellos. Sabemos que el COVID-19 no solo afecta a nuestra salud física, sino también a nuestra salud económica. Por eso mañana en la Junta de los Supervisores voy a introducir dos mociones. La primera moción pide extender la ordenanza suplementaria de la licencia por enfermedad renumerada para los trabajadores en áreas no incorporado en el condado, que de otra moda va a terminar. Esto va a continuar los beneficios de licencia para enfermedad pagada. Y ahora va a incluir a prensas, empresas con menos de 500 empleados. Mi segunda moción es para dar pago de héroes a los trabajadores de los supermercados y farmacias. Los trabajadores de primera línea no han parado de trabajar durante esta crisis. Gracias al esfuerzo de ellos, nuestras familias han tenido acceso a los alimentos y medicamentos necesarios. Estos trabajadores enfrentan el peligro para mantener a nuestras comunidades saludables y son unos de los héroes de esta pandemia. Es importante que el condado les asegura una compensación justa. Mi moción va a exigir a los supermercados y farmacias con 300 o más empleados en el país y más de 10 empleados por tienda que les den pago de héroe a todos empleados. Eso es 5 dólares adicionales para ahora de los próximos 120 días. Esto es, se está haciendo ya en ciudades, por ejemplo, en Los Ángeles y también en Long Beach. Así que estas acciones no quiten el dolor económico por COVID-19, pero espero que les alivie a nuestros residentes. También quiero hablar sobre la administración de la vacuna. El gobierno federal y estatal establecen las reglas de orden de quién se vacuna y cuándo. Pero el condado tiene un parte en la implementación. El condado adoptó una regla para garantizar una administración de la vacuna justa. Hemos visto las hospitalizaciones por raza aumentar, con latinos y africanamericanos sufriendo el máximo impacto. Necesitamos una distribución justa de la vacuna en comunidades de bajos recursos, en parte porque muchas de estas áreas están compuestas por trabajadores esenciales. Eso incluye, incluye áreas como el este de Los Ángeles, Boyle Heights, el Valle de San Gabriel y comunidades muy afectadas por la crisis. Seguimos recibiendo las entregas de vacunas cada semana, pero los candidatos no alcanzan lo que el gobierno federal nos dijo. Es mi esperanza que con el nuevo administración de Biden, a tan solo 16 días vamos a ver un cambio muy significado en, aquí en los Estados Unidos. Con el aumento dramático de casos, nuestros hospitales están a capacidad. Pero me da gusto ver el cuerpo de ingenieros del ejército está ayudando a hospitales como White Memorial en Boyle Heights con soluciones de infraestructura. 
Esto tiene un impacto directamente en la atención a pacientes. Y sé que con esta ayuda nuestros hospitales están recibiendo la ayuda que necesitan y merecen. Por último, me gustaría tomarle un tiempo para discutir las protestas y las reuniones sobre los órdenes de salud. Estamos en un tiempo peligroso y sin presidentes. Nuestros funcionarios de salud pública tienen una misión, proteger la salud pública. Ellos no son los culpables, sino el virus. Esto no es mentira, solo bien el estatus de los, nuestros hospitales. Lamento la de devastación económica causada por esta pandemia. Es por eso que luché por los fondos de ley del CARES Act con el condado para dar alivio a nuestros pequeños empresarios. Pero la recuperación de la economía verdadera no va a empezar hasta que pare este virus. Y las restricciones existen para poder controlar este virus. Sin ellas, la economía va a seguir sufriendo y el virus va a seguir tomando vidas. Para terminar, sí que en nuestra comunidad, el Día de los Reyes es Día de Reunión. Por favor, únase por el Internet este año. Reunirse puede resultar en exponer a sus seres queridos. También quiero reconocer el comienzo del nuevo año. El comienzo del nuevo año acompaña nuevos propósitos y les pido a todos que hagamos contar. Para este primer mes, el 2021, pido que todos respeten el orden de oficial de salud. Solo un mes puede ser la diferencia para la comunidad. Muchas gracias y ahora me gustaría presentarles a la representante del Departamento de Salud Pública, Jacqueline Valenzuela. Buenas tardes. First slide, please. Es probable que en enero veamos las peores condiciones que hemos enfrentado en el transcurso de la pandemia. En poco más de un mes, duplicamos el número de personas que dieron positivo por COVID-19, pasando de 400,000 casos el 30 de noviembre a más de 800,000 casos el 2 de enero. El aumento anticipado a causa de, la, de las reuniones festivas durante el invierno ha comenzado y decenas de miles de personas están pagando el precio de las nuevas infecciones por COVID-19. Y es por, probable que los aumentos en los casos continúen durante las próximas semanas como resultado de las fiestas de Año Nuevo y las personas que regresan de sus viajes. También necesitamos que todos sepan que las tasas de transmisión en la comunidad son tan altas que usted corre el riesgo de una exposición cada vez que sale de su casa. Suponga que este virus mortal e invisible está en todas partes buscando un anfitrión disponible en cualquier lugar. No deje que sea usted o su ser querido. Si va a trabajar o a comprar alimentos o medicinas, tome todas las precauciones posibles. Por favor, no se quite la cubierta de tela para la cara cuando esté cerca de otras personas y, y evite comer o beber con alguien que no sea de su hogar. Lávese o desinfecte sus manos cada hora si está cerca de otras personas. Evite cualquier actividad no esencial 
eh, y les sugerimos que se tome un descanso de ir de compras, evite cualquier tipo de reunión y haga ejercicio al aire libre solo o con miembros de su hogar. Más de una de cada cinco personas que se hacen la prueba son positivas y eso ayuda a explicar por qué existe tanto riesgo cuando sale o se reúne con otras personas. Si no usamos las herramientas actualmente disponibles, nuestros trabajadores de salud de primera línea que ahora atienden a un gran número de pacientes con COVID-19 enfrentarán muchas más semanas de números crecientes de pacientes y la desgarradora pérdida de muchas vidas. Es mejor estar solo que enfermo. Es mejor cuidar de los demás siguiendo todas las reglas que ser responsable de transmitir el virus a alguien que puede terminar hospitalizado o incluso fallezca. Nuestro sitio web tiene una gran cantidad de información útil en varios idiomas para brindar consejos sobre cómo mantenerse seguro y cómo obtener asistencia y apoyo. Ahora les daremos el informe de los números actuales. Next slide, please. Nos entristece informar que hoy han fallecido 77 personas más. Desafortunadamente, esto eleva el número total de muertes a 10,850 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Estamos reportando 9,142 casos nuevos hoy. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 827,498. Estos números reflejan el cierre de varios sitios y retrasos de informes debido a los días festivos. Puede ser que este número aumente en los próximos días. Actualmente hay 7,697 personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19. El 21% de las personas que están hospitalizadas se encuentran en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 19% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 68,697. Esto incluye 30,523 casos entre residentes y 38,174 entre el personal. Hasta la fecha se han realizado pruebas a más de 4.8 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados al Condado de Los Ángeles. La tasa de positividad acumulada es del 16%. Sin embargo, actualmente estamos mostrando tasas de positividad diarias del 21%. Next slide, please. Este gráfico de casos por fecha de episodio hasta el 31 de diciembre muestra una pequeña disminución en los casos durante las vacaciones de Navidad, lo cual era de esperar porque los centros de pruebas estaban cerrados en ese momento. Como puede ver, la cantidad diaria de casos comenzó a aumentar rápidamente nuevamente una vez que se reanudaron las pruebas y alcanzó un promedio de siete días de 12,322 casos el 31 de diciembre. Desde que comenzó el aumento el primero de noviembre, este es un asombroso aumento del 905% en casos. Para el futuro cercano, por las reuniones festivas, esta línea puede continuar aumentando. La rapidez de estos aumentos es aterradora uh, y por sus implicaciones para nuestro sistema de salud y las personas que son importantes en nuestras vidas. 
Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el impacto devastador que tiene el aumento en casos en nuestros hospitales locales. Cuando comenzó este aumento a principios de noviembre, había un promedio de 791 personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19. El 2 de enero, hace solo unos días, el promedio de tres días de personas hospitalizadas con COVID-19 era de 7,623. Al igual que en el gráfico anterior de casos, este aumento de hospitalizaciones continúa mientras nuestro número de casos sigue aumentando. Este censo increíblemente alto de pacientes con COVID-19 en nuestros hospitales es angustioso y devastador, no solo para aquellos que tienen COVID-19 y necesitan tratamiento intensivo para recuperarse. También es potencialmente angustiante para todos los demás en el condado que puedan necesitar cuidados intensivos durante este tiempo. Las personas que sufren un derrame cerebral o un ataque cardíaco o experimentan una lesión traumática como un accidente automovilístico, encuentran cada vez más difícil acceder a la atención médica en estos momentos. Next slide, please. A medida que las hospitalizaciones continúan aumentando, los fallecimientos también continúan aumentando en el condado. Este gráfico que muestra un promedio de siete días de fallecimientos diarios puede ser el más abrumador. Cuando este aumento actual comenzó a devastar el condado de Los Ángeles, el promedio diario del número de personas que mueren por COVID-19 era de 13. Ahora, constantemente promediamos más de 100 muertes por día. El 30 de diciembre, el promedio de muertes diarias de 7 días fue de 110. Esto es un aumento del 700% desde que comenzó el aumento. Otra forma de ver esto es de que perdemos a una persona cada 10 a 15 minutos por COVID-19. Trágicamente, esta línea también aumentará ya que recientemente hemos estado informando un número mucho mayor de muertes diarias. Es muy posible que estemos en camino hacia una cantidad de fallecimientos semanal de mil personas. Next slide, please. Este gráfico ayuda a comprender la progresión del COVID-19 desde los casos hasta las hospitalizaciones y los fallecimientos. Podemos ver con claridad dónde hemos estado y hacia dónde nos dirigimos. Con el número promedio de nuevos casos diarios de COVID-19 que se anticipa que volverá a alcanzar los 15,000, podríamos ver dentro de dos semanas 8,500 personas hospitalizadas cada día y una semana después las, muerta, las muertes diarias aumentarán a 175. Estamos agradecidos con los trabajadores de salud que luchan arduamente para salvar miles de vidas. Ah, pero todos sabemos que hay ciertas personas que simplemente no sobrevivirán eh, estos estragos de este poderoso virus. Este dolor se puede evitar. Haga su parte para detener la oleada. Este número de hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos no disminuye hasta que no disminuya el número de casos nuevos. Next slide, please. El impacto del aumento de casos se ve en todos los sectores. Desde febrero al 28 de diciembre, un total de 28,448 trabajadores de salud y socorristas han sido confirmados con COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles. 
Este gráfico muestra las oleadas de casos entre los trabajadores de salud, una que comenzó en marzo y alcanzó su punto máximo a mediados de abril, y otra que llegó en julio cuando nuevamente vimos altas tasas de transmisión comunitaria en el condado. Y lamentablemente el reciente aumento de casos entre los trabajadores de salud comenzó con el aumento que inició a principios de noviembre. Han habido 132 muertes entre los trabajadores de salud en el condado desde el comienzo de la pandemia. Entre los trabajadores de salud que han fallecido por COVID-19, la mayoría eran hombres, 57%, entre 50 y 64 años, 47%, e hispanos o latinos, 45%. Cada una de estas muertes es una tragedia y sufrimos con las familias y compañeros de trabajo de los trabajadores de salud que fallecieron por COVID-19. Continuaremos trabajando con organizaciones en todo el condado para garantizar que los trabajadores de salud estén protegidos en los lugares de trabajo, que tengan el equipo de protección personal necesario para mantenerse seguros y que continúen teniendo prioridad para la vacunación. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el sitio de trabajo para los fallecimientos de trabajadores de salud. El mayor número de muertes de trabajadores de salud se produjo en centros de atención a largo plazo y de enfermería especializada, con 67 fallecimientos en estos lugares. El siguiente número más alto de muertes, 21, se produjo en hospitales, seguido de 11 fallecimientos en instalaciones para pacientes ambulatorios. Trágicamente, hemos visto fallecimientos entre los trabajadores de salud y el personal de primeros auxilios y socorristas en muchos entornos de trabajo. Next slide, please. La mayoría de los trabajadores de salud que han fallecido han sido enfermeras y enfermeros. Sin embargo, hemos visto fallecimientos en muchas profesiones, incluidos bomberos, médicos, dentistas, técnicos de laboratorio, oficiales de policía y alguaciles, personal de servicios de alimentos, trabajadores sociales, farmacéuticos y terapeutas respiratorios. Todos han perdido la vida a causa de COVID-19 y extendemos nuestra gratitud eterna a todos los trabajadores de salud que sacrificaron por arriesgar sus vidas para cuidarnos a todos nosotros. Next slide, please. Las vacunaciones continúan en todo el condado de Los Ángeles a medida que continuamos desarrollando nuestra capacidad. Hasta el sábado 2 de enero habíamos recibido un total de 189,995 dosis de la vacuna Pfizer y se habían administrado 96,390 dosis a nuestros trabajadores de atención médica de primera línea en nuestros hospitales de atención aguda. Desde el sábado habíamos recibido 80,000 perdón, 81,571 dosis de Moderna, de las cuales 22,221 se habían administrado al personal y a los residentes de las instalaciones de enfermería especializada, así como en las instalaciones de servicios de emergencias médicas y paramédicos. La próxima asignación de vacunas de Pfizer llegará esta semana, 82,745 dosis que se utilizarán principalmente para, para administrar segundas dosis al primer grupo de trabajadores de salud vacunados a mediados de diciembre. 
También esperamos recibir 50,700 dosis de Moderna que se administrarán principalmente a los grupos prioritarios dentro del nivel 2 de la fase 1A. El nivel 2 incluye a los trabajadores de salud en las clínicas de atención de urgencia y atención primaria, en las instalaciones y servicios de atención médica inmediata y domiciliaria, así como en los trabajadores que trabajan en el campo de atención médica que enfrentan un alto riesgo de exposición. Next slide, please. Para finalizar, nuevamente esperamos que todos los residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles comiencen el año nuevo con estas preguntas. ¿Qué puedo hacer para ayudar? ¿Y cuál es mi papel para ayudar a detener la propagación de COVID-19? Esos son sus pasos de acción, los que todos debemos tomar ahora mismo. Primero, asuma la responsabilidad personal y siga las reglas. Y pida a los demás que hagan lo mismo. Las medidas simples que tenemos implementadas, usar una cubierta para la cara, mantener el distanciamiento físico, evitar reuniones y usar desinfectante para manos, ayudan en gran medida a revertir los números de fallecimientos que estamos viviendo actualmente. Segundo, para aquellos de ustedes que acaban de regresar de un viaje fuera del condado de Los Ángeles, deben permanecer en cuarentena durante 10 días y vigilar sus síntomas durante 14 días. Necesitamos que todos los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles que hayan viajado recientemente sigan estas instrucciones a partir de hoy si aún no han comenzado una cuarentena. También necesitamos que todas las personas que vienen del condado de, que vienen al condado de Los Ángeles hagan lo mismo, ya sea que hayan llegado en avión, autobús, tren o cualquier tipo de vehículo. Hágase la prueba si tiene síntomas de COVID-19 o si ha estado expuesto a alguien que dio positivo a la, a la prueba. No se arriesgue. Hágase la prueba y si da positivo, uh, póngase en cuarentena y aíslese durante al menos 10 días y hasta que esté libre de fiebre y nuestros protocolos de salud pública. Contamos con que todos los negocios intensifiquen estos esfuerzos. Y finalmente, quédese en casa. Quedarse en casa salvará vidas. Cuantas menos interacciones tengamos, menos probable es que este virus mortal encuentre más huéspedes y siga propagándose por nuestro condado. Okay, and now we'll go ahead. Give me one minute. I think we have a question. What the, what the army is doing at the? I I don't have that information at the moment, but what we can do is make sure that we share that information in Spanish. Are there any other questions? No. Okay, great. So now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Barior Bolorin. Shnarakalchun verahuskich solisi yev ambuch verahuskich horotin. Menk amenain havanakan champ humvarik kutesnenk amenavat by manere vorong chengtesel ambuch hamajaraki and tatskum. Menk amis, menk poker avelin and tatskum, menk. Yev Depkeri Acha Havana Bark Sharnak Vish Shaphatner Sharnak, 
նոր տարիների խնջույքների եւ ճանապարհորդողների վերադարձի արդյունքում մենք բոլորս այժմ պետք է օկտագորցեն գործիքներ որոնք ունեն կյանք փրկելու ինչպես նաև պաշտպանելու առաջնագծի բուժ քույրերին բժիշկներին եւ առողջապահական աշխատողներին ովքեր այժմ գտնվում են պաշարման մեջ հուզիչ մեծ թվով կովիդ 19-ի հիվանդներով այժմ մենք գտնվում ենք լոս անջելեսի շրջանի մի կետում որտեղ հազարավոր մարդկանց կյանքը կամ մահվան խնդիր է կախված նրանից թե մեզանից յուրաքանչյուրը ինչ է անելու հաջորդ մի քանի շափատների ընթացքում նաև պետք է որ բոլոր իմանան որ համայնքի փոխանցման տեմպերը այնքան բարձր են որ վտանգում են յուրաքանչյուրին երբ տանից դուրս են գալիս ենթադրենք որ այս մահացու անտեսանելի վիրուսը ամենուր է փնտրում է պատրաստակամ հյուրընկալողի թույլ մի տվեք որ դա լինեք դուք կամ մեկը ով ձեզ հարազատ է եթե գնում եք աշխատանքի կամ մթերքներ գնելու ապա ձեռնարկեք հնարավոր բոլոր նախազգուշական միջոցները փորձեք երբեք չհանել ձեր դեմքի դիմակը երբ ուրիշների շրջապատում եք եւ խուսափեք ուտելուց կամ խմելուց անմայ այն մարդկանց հետ ովքեր ձեր ընտանիքի անդամներ չեն լվացվեք կամ ախտահանեք ձեռքերը ամեն ժամ եթե գտնվում եք ուրիշների շրջապատում խուսափեք ցանկացած ոչ էական գործողություններից մենք առաջարկում ենք ձեզ խուսափել գնումներից խուսափել ցանկացած տիպի հավաքույտներից եւ մարզվել ինքները կամ ձեր տան անդամների հետ տեստեր անցած յուրաքանչյուր 5-ից 1-ը դրական է եւ դա գտնում է բացատրել թե ինչու է այդքան մեծ ռիսկ երբ շփվում եք ուրիշների հետ ավելի լավ է միայնակ լինեք քան հիվանդ ավելի լավ է հոգ տանեք ուրիշների մասին պահպանելով բոլոր կանոնները քան պատասխանատու լինել վիրուսը փոխանցել մեկին ով կարող է հայտնվել հիվանդանոցում եւ նույնիսկ մահանալ մեր կայքը պարունակում է բազմաթիվ լեզուներով օկտակարգ տեղեկատվություն ապահովության պահպանելու օժանդակություն ստանալու եւ խորհուրդներ տալու համար ներկա իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 77 մահվան մասին սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահվան թիվը 10850-ի լոս անջելոս շրջանում այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 9142 նոր դեպքերի մասին եւ սա բերում է լոս անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 827498-ի Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 33271 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 7010 դեպքեր։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 7697 մարդ, որոնցից 21 տոկոսը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, իսկ 19 տոկոսը միացված են շնչառական օդափոխիչների։ Քննություններ են կատարվում 4057 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերի թիվը 60 8697-ն է ներառյալ անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ Այս դեպքերից 30523-ը բնակիչներն են, 38174-ը աշխատակազմ։ 
Ավելի քան 4.8 միլիոն մարդ տեսավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոս շրջան, որից 16% դրական են։ Երբ նոեմբերի սկզբին սկսվեց այս ալիքը, COVID-19-ով հոսպիտալացվել էր միջինը 791 մարդ։ Հունվարի 2-ին ընդհանրանը 1 քանի օր առաջ COVID-19-ով հոսպիտալացված մարդկանց երրորդ միջին թիվը հասնում է ցնցող 7623-ի։ Ինչպես դեպքերի վերաբերյալ հոսպիտալացումների այս աճը շարունակվում է այնքան ժամանակ, քանի դեռ մեր դեպքերի թիվը աճում է։ Այս անհավատալի բարձր մարդահամարը մեր հիվանդանոցներում կործանիչ է ոչ մի նրանց համար ովքեր ունեն COVID-19-ը եւ վերականգնման համար անհրաժեշտ է ինտենսիվ բուժում, այլ նաեւ պոտենցիալ անհանգստություն է պատճառում շրջանի բոլոր մյուս անդամների համար, ովքեր այս ընթացքում կարող են ինտենսիվ խնամքի կարիք ունենալ։ Մարդիկ, ովքեր ունեն ինսուլտ կամ ինֆարկտ կամ ովքեր ունեն ավտովթարի տրավմատիկ վնասված կդժվարանան խնամստանալ սովորական ժամանակների համեմատ։ Երբ հոսպիտալացումը շարունակվում է բարձրանալ, ծայրահեղ ողբերկությունները նույնպես շարունակում են բարձրանալ ամբողջ վարչաշրջանում։ Այս մահվան 7 օրվա միջին թիվը կարող է լինել ամենաանհանգստացնողը։ Երբ այս անթացիկ ալիքը սկսեց Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում, ամենօր COVID-ով մահացող մարդկանց միջին թիվը 13-ն էր։ Այժմ մենք անընդհատ միջին օրեկան ավելի քան 100 մահենք ունենում։ Դեկտեմբերի 30-ին զոհերի միջին օրեկան թիվը կազմում էր 104 մարդ։ Դա 700%-ով աճ է։ Սա նայելու մեկալ տարբերակը այն է, որ մենք յուրաքանչյուր 10-15 րոպե մենք մարդ են կորցնում COVID-19-ից։ Ցավալիորեն այս վերջերս մենք հայտնում ենք ամեն օր մահացության շատ ավելի մեծ թվերի մասին։ Մենք կարող ունենանք հազարավոր զոհեր ամեն շաբաթ։ Մեր սրտեր ու մտքերը գնում են յուրաքանչյուրին, ով կորցրել է իր սիրելներին, ընկերոջը հարևանին աշխատակցին։ Կյանքի այս ճնշող կորուսը անհասկանալի է եւ մենք կշարունակենք բոլորիդ պահել մեր աղօթքներում։ Ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում հոսպիտալացման օրեկան դեպքերը։ COVID-19-ի առաջընթացը դեպքերից միջև հոսպիտալացում միջև մա։ Մենք կարող ենք հստակորեն տեսնել, թե որտեղ են եղել եւ ուրեն գնում։ COVID-19-ով նոր օրեկան դեպքերը 15000-ով մենք կարող ենք ակնկալել, որ երկու շաբաթ անց ամենօր հոսպիտալացումը ավելանալու է քան 8500 մարդ, իսկ մենք շաբաթ անց ամենօրյա մահերը կհասնեն 200-ի։ Մենք երախտապարտ ենք առաջնագծի առողջապահական աշխատողներին, ովքեր քրտնաջան պայքարում են հազարավոր կյանքեր փրկելու համար։ Բայց բոլորս գիտենք, որ կամ որոշակի մարդիկ, ովքեր պարզապես չեն կարող գոյատևել այս հզոր վիրուսի կործանումից։ Այս սրտի ցավը պետք չէ շարունակվել։ Խնդրում եմ արեք ձեր մասը, որպեսի դադարեցնեք ալիքը։ Այս թվերը չեն իջնում, քանի դեռ չի նվազել նոր դեպքերի թիվը։ Պատվաստան յութերի թարմացումներ։ Պատվաստումները շարունակում են Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում, քանի որ մենք շարունակում ենք զարգացնել մեր կարողությունները։ 
շապատ հունվար երկուսի դրությամբ մենք ստացել ենք ընդհանուր ֆայզեր պատվաստանյութի 189995 դեղաչափ եւ մեր առաջնային գծի առողջապահական աշխատողների մեր ինտենսիվ խնամքի հիվանդանոցներում տրվել է 96390 դեղաչափ Շապատվա դրությամբ մենք ստացել ենք 81571 մոդերնա դեղաչափ, որից 22221-ը տրվել է անznakazmin եւ բնակիչներին հմուտ բուժքույրական հաստատություններում, ինչպես նաեւ մեր շտապոկնության բուժ աշխատողներին։ Ֆայզերի հաջորդ հատկացումը գալիս է այս շապատ 82745 դեղաչափ, որը հիմնականում կոկտագործվի պատվաստված առաջին խմբի երկրորդ դեղաչափեր տալու համար մենք նաև ակնկալում ենք ստանալ 50700 մոդերնա չափաբաժիններ որոնք կիրառվեն հիմնականում այն առաջնային խմբերի համար առաջին A փուլի երկրորդ աստիճանի շրջանակներում երկրորդը ներառում է անհետաձգելի խնամքի եւ առաջին եւ առաջնային պահպանման կլինիկաներին անհապաղ եւ տնային առողջապահական հաստատություններին եւ ծառայությունների առողջապահական աշխատողներին ինչպես նաեւ հանրային առողջապահության ոլորտի աշխատակիցներին եւ համայնքային աշխատողներին ովքեր ենթարկվել են ազդեցության մեծ ռիսկի Ավարտելով ես նորից հույս ունեմ որ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի բոլոր բնակիչները կսկսեն նոր տարին տալով այս հարցերը Ինչ կարող եմ անել օկնելու համար, որն է իմ դերը օկնելու կասեցնել COVID-19 տարածումը։ Ահա ձեր գործողությունների քայլերը, որոնք բոլորս պետք է ձեռնարկենք հենց հիմա։ Նախ վերցնենք անձնական պատասխանատվությունը եւ հետևենք կանոններին եւ խնդրենք ուրիշներին անել նույնը։ Մեր կիրառած պարզ միջոցները դեմքի ծածկ հակնելը, ֆիզիկական հերավորություն պահպանելը, հավաքույտներից խուսափելը եւ ախտահանող միջոց օկտագորձելը դեր շատ լավ կգործի այն մահացու իրավիճակը հետ փոխելու համար որը այժմ մենք ունենք։ Նրանց համար ովքեր նոր են վերադարձել Լոս Անջելոս շրջանից դուրս գտնվող ճանապարհորդությունից պետք է կարանտին անցկացնեք 10 օրվա ընթացքում երբ վերահսկեք ախտանիշները 14 օրվա ընթացքում մենք պետք է որ լոս անջելոս շրջանի յուրաքանչյուր բնակիչ որը վերջերս ճանապարհորդել է դրան հետևելու համար այս օրվանից սկսած եթե դեր կարանտինացված չեք եղել մեզ նույնպես պետք է որ բոլոր այն մարդիկ ովքեր գալիս են լոս անջելոս շրջան նույնանեն անկախ նրանից դուք ժամանել եք ինքնաթիրով ավտոբուսով գնացքով կամ մեքենայով ես նաև կրկնելու եմ մի աղերսանք որը ես արել եմ ամանորի նախորերին եւ դա բոլոր գործատուներին խնդրելն է կատարել երկու բան նախ համոզվեք որ վերջերս հանգստի կամ հանգստի համար ճանապարհորդած աշխատակիցները վերադառնալուն պես 10 օր ինքնակարանտինացվեն երկրորդը պետք է որ բոլոր բիզնեսների սեփականատերերը ուղեկավարները լրացուցիչ քայլեր ձեռնարկեն որպիսին լիովին համապատասխանեն մնացեք տանը կարգավիճակին եւ մեր գործողության հանրային առողջապահության արցանագրություններում ամրագրված երաշխիքների եւ փոփոխություններին 
մենք հույս ենք դնում յուրաքանչյուր բիզնեսի վրա այս ջանքերը ակտիվացնելու համար հաջորդը ստուգվեք եթե բախվում եք կովիդ 19 աշխատանիշների հետ կամ գուցե շփվելեք դրական արդյունք ենթարկված մեկին շանսը մի կորցրեք ստուգվեք եւ եթե դա դրական վերադառնա դուք պետք է ինքնակարանտին անցկացնեք եւ մեկուսանաք վերջապես Պարզապես մնացեք տանը։ Տանը մնալ է կյանքերը փրկում։ Որքան քիչ փոխազդեցություն ունենաք, այնքան քիչ հավանական է, որ այս մահացու վիրուսը ավելի շատ հյուրընկալողներին գտնի եւ շարունակի տարածել մեր մեր վարչաշրջանում, ինչպես մեր պատկերացրած ավելի ուժեղ հրդեհը։ Այս ամենը մենք անում ենք հունվարին Այս ամենը մենք անում ենք հունվարին եւ որպիսի կրճատենք ազդեցության մեծ ռիսկերը։ Ավարտելով ես նորից հույս ունեմ, որ Լոս Անջելս շրջանի բոլոր բնակիչները կսկսեն հետևել այս ուղեցույցին։ Վերջապես, պարզապես մնացեք տանը։ Այս ամենը մենք անում ենք կարող ենք օգնել այս ամենը փոխելու։ Շնորհակալություն Thank you Now the remarks in Korean Anyashimnika update를 말씀드리겠습니다 아마도 우리는 1월 달에 이 팬데믹 중에서 가장 안 좋은 상태를 경험하게 될 것입니다 한달 만에 코비드 19 양성 확진자 수가 두배 증가하였는데 11월 31일에 양성 확진자 수가 40만 케이스에서 1월 2일에는 80만 케이스를 넘는 수치가 보고되었습니다. 예상대로 공휴일 동안 모임으로 인해 급증이 시작되었고 수천 명의 사람들이 새로운 코비드19 감염이 되고 있습니다. 뉴이얼 파티나 여행에서 돌아오는 사람들로 인한 케이스 수의 증가는 앞으로 몇주 동안 계속 증가할 것으로 보입니다. 우리 모두가 생각해 보아야 할 점은 커뮤니티의 전파율이 매우 높기 때문에 집 밖을 나갈 때마다 노출의 위험이 높아진다는 것입니다. 이 죽음에 보이지 않는 바이러스는 모든 곳에 있고 숙주 대상을 찾고 있습니다. 이 대상이 당신이나 당신이 사랑하는 사람이 되지 않도록 해야 할 것입니다. 직장에 가거나 약이나 식료품을 사러 갈때 가능한 한 모든 주의를 기울여야 할 것입니다. 다른 사람 옆에 있을 때 얼굴 가리개를 절대 벗지 말고 가족이 아닌 사람들과 먹거나 마시지 마십시오. 다른 사람의 곁에 있다면 매 시간마다 손을 씻거나 세정제를 사용하십시오. 비필수 활동을 피해야 합니다. 쇼핑도 잠시 멈추고 어느 종류의 모임에도 참, 참여하지 말고 운동도 혼자 하거나 가족들과만 해야 합니다. 테스트를 받는 다섯 명 중에 한 명이 양성이며 그렇기 때문에 다른 사람들과 교제할 때 위험이 얼마나 큰지 알수 있습니다. 우리가 가지고 있는 도구들을 사용하지 않는다면 현재 엄청난 수의 코비드19 환자들을 돌보고 있는 우리의 의료 서비스 종사자들이 앞으로 더 많은 주 동안 증가하는 수의 환자들을 보게 될 것이며 많은 생명을 잃게 될 것입니다. 아픈 것보다는 외로운 것이 더 낫습니다. 다른 사람들에게 바이러스를 전파해서 그들이 병원에 입원하게 만들거나 죽는 것보다는 모든 지침을 잘 따라서 다른 사람들을 보살피는 것이 더 낫습니다. 
보건북 웹사이트에는 여러 언어로 우리가 안전하게 지낼 수 있는 방법과 도움을 받을 수 있는 방법을 알려주는 실용적인 정보들이 들어 있습니다. 그러면 이제 현재 수치를 말씀드리겠습니다. 이감스럽게도 오늘 77명의 새로운 사망자가 보고되었습니다. 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 1만 850명입니다. 오늘 9,142건의 새로운 케이스가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 82만 7,498건입니다. 오늘 보고된 이세 케이스 수는 많은 테스팅 장소들이 공휴일 동안 문을 열지 않았기 때문에 더 적은 수가 보고된 것입니다. 이 수치는 앞으로 더 증가할 것입니다. 이 케이스 수는 롱비치시에서 33,271건, 파사디나시에서 7,010건을 포함한 수입니다. 이두 시는 각각 보건부가 따로 있습니다. 현재 7,697명이 코비드19로 병원에 입원해 있으며 21%는 중환자실에, 19%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 한개 이상의 양성 케이스가 있는 4,057개의 거주 그리고 비거주 시설을 조사하였으며 1,620개는 조사 중이며 2,437개는 조사를 마친 상태입니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 양성 확진 케이스 수는 6만 8,697건이고 3만, 3만 523명은 거주민이며 3만 8,174명은 직원이었습니다. 오늘까지 480만 명 이상이 테스트를 받았으며 양성 확진률은 16%입니다. 그러나 현재 1일 확진률은 21%입니다. 크리스마스 공휴일 동안 12월 31일까지 케이스 수는 약간 줄어들었는데 왜냐하면 테스팅 장소가 문을 닫았기 때문입니다. 그러나 테스트가 다시 시작되자 케이스 수가 갑자기 증가하여 12월 31일에 7월 평균 케이스 수는 12,322건이었고 11월 1일에 비해 905%가 증가한 수치입니다. 앞으로 공휴일 동안 있었던 모든 여행과 모임들을 볼때 케이스 수는 계속해서 증가할 것이며 이 수치가 급격하게 증가하는 것을 보는 것은 의료 서비스 시스템과 환자들을 생각할 때 매우 두려운 일입니다. 11월 초에 코비드19로 인해 평균 791명이 병원에 입원하였습니다. 1월 2일에 단지 며칠 전인데요. 3일간의 평균 병원 입원자 수는 7,623명입니다. 병원에 코비드19 환자가 이렇게 많다는 것은 코비드19 환자뿐만 아니라 카운티 내에서 응급치료가 필요한 모든 사람들에게 걱정스러운 일입니다. 뇌졸증이나 심장마비 혹은 자동차 사고로 인해 큰 부상을 당한 사람들이 이전에 비해 의료서비스를 받기가 어려워졌다는 말입니다. 급증 초기에 1일 평균 사망자 수는 13명 13명이었는데 지금 평균 사망자 수는 100명이 넘습니다. 12월 31일, 30일, 30일에 7일 평균 1일 사망자 수는 110명이었습니다. 이 수치는 700%가 증가한 것인데 다시 말하면 매 10분에서 15분마다 코비드19로 인해 한 명이 목숨을 잃는다는 것입니다. 이 수치대로라면 일주일에 1,000명씩 사망자 수가 이르게 될 것입니다. 1일 평균 새 케이스 수가 15,000명에 이르게 되면 앞으로 2주 후에는 8,500명이 매일 병원에 입원하게 될 것이고 
일주일 후면 일일 사망자 수는 175명에 다르게 될 것입니다. 우리는 가장 앞에서 일하는 의료 서비스 종사자 모두에게 감사를 드립니다. 그들은 수천 명의 목숨을 살리기 위해서 싸우고 있습니다. 그러나 우리는 이 강력한 바이러스를 살아남지 못할 사람들이 있다는 것을 알고 있습니다. 부디 이 급증을 막기 위해서 우리가 맡은 바 역할을 다 해주시기 바랍니다. 병원 입원자 수와 사망자 수는 케이스 수가 내려가지 않는 한 절대 내려가지 않을 것입니다. 2월달부터 12월 28일까지 총 2만 8,448명의 의료서비스 종사자들과 응급요원들이 코비드19 양성 확증을 받았습니다. 판다믹 시작 이래로 카운티에서는 의료서비스 종사자들 가운데 총 132명이 사망하였습니다. 코비드19로 인한 사망한 의료서비스 종사자 가운데 57%는 남자, 47%는 50에서 64세였고 45%는 라틴 계열이었습니다. 의료서비스 종사자들이 직장에서 보호를 받고 개인 보호 장비를 갖추고 백신 주사를 최우선적으로 받을 수 있도록 카운티는 계속 노력할 것입니다. 가장 많은 의료서비스 종사자들이 사망한 장소는 전문 간호시설입니다. 전문 간호시설과 장기간 보호시설인데 67명이 사망하였습니다. 그 다음으로 많은 장소는 병원에서 21명, 그리고 외래 시설에서 11명이었습니다. 사망한 대부분의 의료서비스 종사자들은 간호사들이었습니다. 그러나 다른 직종에서도 사망자가 있었는데 여기에는 소방관, 의사, 치과의사, 실험기사, 경찰, 보안관, 음식서비스 종사자, 사회복지사, 약사, 호흡기 질환 치료사 등이 있었습니다. 다른 사람들을 돌보기 위해서 희생한 모든 의료서비스 종사자분들에게 끝없는 감사를 표하는 바입니다. LA 카운티에서 계속해서 백신 접종이 이루어지고 있습니다. 1월 2일 토요일까지 총 18만 9,995개의 파이저 백신 주사를 받았고 9만 6,390개가 병원에 있는 의료서비스 종사자들에게 접종되었습니다. 토요일까지 8만 1,571개의 모더나 백신을 받았으며 2만 2,221명의 전문 간호시설 주민들과 직원들 그리고 구급의료대원들에게 접종되었습니다. 이번 주에 8만 2,745개의 파이저 백선 주사가 도착할 것인데 12월 중순에 접종 주사를 받았던 의료서비스 종사자들의 두 번째 주사로 쓰일 것입니다. 또한 5만 700개의 모더나 백신을 받을 것인데 이는 얼전케어와 주치 클리닉에 있는 의료서비스 종사자들과 홈헬스 시설 서비스 그리고 고위험 노출에 있는 의료서비스 현장 종사자들에게 접종, 접종될 것인데 이들은 페이즈 1A에서 두, 단, 이두 번째 단계에 있는 우선이 그룹들이 될 것입니다. 마지막으로 LA 카운티에 있는 주민 모두에게 새해를 시작하면서 이렇게 질문하도록 요청하는 바입니다. 코비드19의 확산을 막는데 내가 할수 있는 일은 무엇이며 나의 역할은 무엇인가 하는 질문입니다. 먼저 개인적으로 우리는 책임을 느끼고 지침들을 잘 따르며 다른 사람도 그렇게 하도록 해야 할 것입니다. 바로 얼굴 가리개를 쓰고 거리 두기를 유지하며 함께 모이지 말고 
손세정대를 사용하는 것입니다. 둘째로 LA 카운티 밖으로 여행을 갔다가 돌아온 사람들은 10일 동안 격리를 해야 하며 14일 동안 증상을 점검해야 합니다. 최근에 여행한 LA 카운티 주민들 모두가 이 수칙을 따라야 합니다. 만약 아직 격리를 시작하지 않았다면 오늘부터 해야 할 것입니다. LA 카운티로 들어오는 모든 사람들이 그렇게 해야 하는데 비행기로 왔던 버스, 기차 혹은 차로 왔던 모두가 그렇게 해야 할 것입니다. 그 다음 코비드19의 증상이 있거나 양성 확진자에게 노출된 적이 있다면 테스트를 받아야 합니다. 혹시나 하고 생각하지 마십시오. 테스트를 받고 양성 결과이면 10일간 자가 고립을 하고 24시간 동안 발열이 없거나 증상이 없을 때까지 그렇게 해야 합니다. 뉴이얼 전날 했던 부탁의 말씀을 지금 다시 드리고자 합니다. 모든 고용주 분들은 두 가지 일을 해주셔야 합니다. 첫째로 최근에 레이저나 여행을 갔다 온 직원들이 돌아온다면 10일간 자가 격리를 하게 하는 것입니다. 둘째로 모든 사업체 경영자들과 매니저들은 스테이의 홈 오더와 보건 프로토컬을 확실히 따르기 위해서 다시 한번 확인하는 것입니다. 마지막으로 우리 모두는 언제나 가능하면 집에 머물러 있어야 합니다. 집에 있는 것이 사람의 목숨을 살리는 것입니다. 더 접촉이 낮을수록 죽음의 바이러스가 숙주를 찾기 어렵게 되고 또 카운티의 거의 모든 업종을 파괴하지 않도록 하는 일이 될 것입니다. 우리가 모두 1월 동안 이렇게 한다면 급증을 막을 수 있을 것입니다. 감사합니다. Next, Alan Chong will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. 的不懈努力和领导感谢所有多少委员在这个史无前例致命的大瘟疫期间感谢你们与我们同在现在我为大家更新目前的疫情一月份的暴增我们可能会面临一个最糟糕的一月比疫情开始以来任何时候都糟
，如果我们不利用我们所拥有的工具，就会给现有的医护人员造成巨量的工作。而现在的现在，医护人员已经面临超负荷的压力，所以医护人员就会有更多的，我们会就会面临更多的病例或更多的死亡。宁可孤独，也不要生病；宁可遵循规则，进而照顾他人，也不要被病毒感染，进而传染给其他人，造成你的朋友住院，进而死亡。我们有专门的网页，提供多语言的咨询，大家可以从网页网页上找到任何关于保持安全、从何获何处获得帮助等相关的信息。下面我为大家更新相关的数据。很不幸，我们又有七十七人因新冠病毒去世，这样诺县总的死亡人数就达到了一万零八百五十人。今天的数据包括假期周末的一些延迟数据。今天的新增病例为九千一百四十二人，这样诺县的总病例就达到了八十二万七千四百九十八例。这一相对较低的数据，是因为多个测试中心暂停，和因为节日暂缓上报的缘故。在接下来的数天之内，这一数据可能会上升。这一数据包括长滩市的三万三千两百七十一例和帕萨迪纳市的七千零十例，两个城市都有独立的卫生局。现在确诊新冠病毒患院患者住院的人数为七千六百九十七人，其中百分之二十一的人住在加护病房，而其中又有百分之十九的人使用呼吸机。我们已对四千零五十七个大型住宅和非住宅机构做了调查，这些机构均有至少一个已知的新冠病毒患者，其中一千六百二十个。人在调查中，两千四百三十七个已结束调查。机构确诊病例的总数为六万八千六百九十七人，其中居民为三万零五百二十三人，员工为三万八千一百七十四人。洛县已有超过四百八十万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，成阳率。的累计值为百分之十六。事发日病例数，截止十二月三十一号，事发日病例显显示，圣诞期间略有下降，这符合我们的预期，因为测试中心节日停业，而随着测试中心重新开启，每日每日新增病例会继续增加，而到了。十二月三十一号，达到了每天达到了一万两千三百二十二例。自十一月一号开始的这一暴增趋势，造成了高达百分之九百零五的巨量增加。基于节日时间的旅游和互动，在未来的几日内，这一趋势可能会继续。这种急剧上升给我们的医护系统。带来了灾难性的冲击，住院人数。这一显示，表面的
病例的上升给我们的医护系统造成了灾难性的冲击。当这种冲击从十一月开始时，平均每天有七百九十一例 COVID-19 病例病人住院，而到几天前的一月二号，这一三天平均值达到了可怕的七千六百二十三例，而这一趋势会随着病例的增加而持续增加。因新冠病人的增加，不仅仅影响了其他新冠病人，同时也影响了那些需急诊的非新冠病人。那些因冠心病或因车祸而昏迷的病人，将会更难得得到及时的治疗。死亡人数随着住院病人的不断增加，最终造成死亡的病例也会随之出现。这一趋势正在日益落线。从每天十三例的死亡，到现在的每天平均超过一百多例的死亡。十二月三十号这天的七天平均死亡人数是一百一十例。这一数据表明，从暴增到现在增加了七倍。每十分钟到十五分钟，我县即有一人死于新冠肺炎。很不幸的是，这一数据还在上升。我们极有可能见到每周死亡人数达到一千例之巨。每日病例到每日住院，再到 ICU。随着目前新冠病例的增加，在未来的两星期内，每日新增新冠病例可能会达到一万五千例，每天住院人数可能会达到八千五百例，而死亡人数则。可能会达到一百七十五例。医护人员的新冠病例，新冠病例影响了每一个职业。截止十二月二十八号，总共有两万八千四百四十八例的医护人员和急救人员人员确诊了新冠病例、新冠肺炎。从疫情开始，洛县已有。一百三十二例医护人员因新冠肺炎失去生命。每一例医护人员的死亡都是不幸的，我们会一如既往的与洛县相关的单位一起努力，来保护医护人员的安全，保护医护人员拥有足够的个人防护装备，来保护他们的安全，并保障医护人员的疫苗的优先供应。疫苗的更新，供应诺县的疫苗一直在增加。截止一月二号及星期六，我们已收到了总计十八万九千九百九十五支瑞辉 Pfizer 疫苗，其中九万六千三百九十支用于我们奋战在前线的医护人员。截止星期六，我们也收到了总计八万一千五百七十一支莫德纳的疫苗。其中两万两千两百二十一支已用于首脸护理中心的人员及急救人员。这星期我们将会收到另外的八万两千七百四十五支瑞辉的疫苗，这些疫苗将会用于那些在十二月中旬已使用了第一轮疫苗的医护人员。另外，我们将收到五万零七百支莫德纳的疫苗，这些疫苗也会给那些。高风险的医护人员首先使用，让我们一起采取行动
在结束前，我希望提醒每一个诺县居民，在新的一年开始时，请试问自己：我可以做些什么？我可以扮演一个什么样的角色，来阻止新冠的传播？以下是我建议诺县每一个人都应该采取的行动：第一，担负起自己的责任，遵守规则，并敦促他人与你一样。我们所需要的是如此简单。即佩戴口罩，保持物理距离，避免聚会或使用消毒液。只有这样，我们才能够扭转目前的趋势。第二，那些刚从外地旅游归来的人，请自觉地自进行自我隔离十天，并在花并花十四天的时间监测自己的症状。我们希望每一个从外地旅游归来的洛县居民都要遵守这一规定。如果你尚未开始，那么从今天开始，你可以这一规定。我们也需要所有到达洛杉矶的人们，不管你是乘飞机，还是乘公共汽车，还是火车，也要遵守同样的规定。另外，如果你出现新冠症状或与新冠症状阳性患者接触过，请去测试。别有侥幸的心理。如果测试呈阳性，你必须自我隔离至少十天，直到发烧症状消失后的二十四小时。我再次重复我在新年除夕所说的：要求所有的员工履行所有的员工履行两件事。第一，最近外出旅行过的员工。返回后自我隔离十天。第二，我们要求所有的企业业主及经理尽一切努力，按照居家令中的条例行事。企业业主们，我们需要你们的帮助和合作。最后，我希望所有的人尽一切可能待在家里，待在家里就能拯救生命。我们众人之间相互交流越少。这一可恶的病毒就不会有机会寻找更多的载体。如果我们在一月份能够如是行，我相信我们就能改变目前的趋势。That concludes for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.